0: Well, good morning, church. How y'all doing today? Y'all doing good today? Come on, how many of y'all enjoy that worship set there? Is that good? Come on, good stuff. Hey, so awesome to be with you today. If I haven't introduced myself, my name is Rick Paladin. I'm the lead pastor here at Bridge City Church, and I am so amped to be at the Murraysville campus today. I believe God has something specific to communicate with you, and so you remember it. We're in, um, this is the last week of our Sunday school series, and so you got on your seats uh, a way to take notes, so you can uh, take notes here, Uh, you can put this on your refrigerator when you get home. Um, There's also, if you notice, there's a little snack on a lot of the seats there. If you take notes, you may get a snack in just a little bit. Okay, but you got to take notes there. And uh, here we are um, in this awesome series entitled um, Sunday School, looking at a whole bunch of messages um, that um, typically we teach to kids in Sunday school. And so we're kind of revitalizing these, and, um, and this would be the last one this week. But hey, next week, um, you, you really want to be here next week. We've got a, um, a really cool plan for you. For those of you that this may be new to you, what we're going to be doing is what we call like prophetic ministry, where we're going to have teams from other church, other campuses, uh, come here uh, for part of the church, part of our church, and they're going to come here and they're going to be praying. um, And there's going to be a lot of time for you to receive prayer next week. And uh, and my brother Gary from our Brighton Heights campus will be here. He'll actually be sharing something uh, specific, speaking into the moment, not doing a typical teaching like I'm doing today, but Something specific there. Uh, Pastor Eric will be here. He'll be um, he'll be pastoring this whole deal next week. So hey, I'm just wetting your appetite to be here. How many of y'all plan on being here next week? How many of you are not sure? Now you were now come on somebody. It's going to be good, and you are going to have a really really good time. So so here we are this week, the last one, and we're going to be getting to um, Mark chapter six in just a little bit. But Jesus feeding the five thousand. Jesus feeding the five thousand here. Hey um. I just want to, before I get rolling, I just want to share something about principles. You know, I'm, I'm a man of principle. I live a very principled life. And what I've learned over, over time is, is that principles set you up so God can do great things with you and for you. Amen. It's living principles. And I'm just going to share... the top three principles of my life. I'm not saying they should be of your life. I'm just going to share, you my, share with you mine. And they, they kind of came about over, over time. And some of the decisions my wife and I, uh, we made. But this first one I made. And the first principle is this, that I'm going to love my wife. And, 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 and I say this with all sincerity. I'm just going to lay down my life for her no matter what she ever gives me in return. That's just my principle. And I just decided to live that way. I just decided to live my life in, in that way. The second principle in my life, and, and this is one of my wife Natalie and I made, we made the principle of this, is that we're always going to be involved in Jesus' church. We're, that, that's not is a non-negotiable. We're going to be a part of Jesus' work in his church. That's going to be, this is a principle that we're going to live by. The third one that we decided um, a long time ago, 30 plus years ago, when we were, before we got married, was this one. We're going to live generous lives. We're going to live a generous life. Yeah, we're just going to look for every opportunity, not only to live generously with, um, with, with our time and our talent, but with, with our money, with everything about us. We're just going to live generous. And what I've learned over time is with those three principles that, that we have lived is this, is that, is that they have set us up for success in our lives principles don't solve your problems, but principles will set you up for what God wants to do. And if we live principled lives based on the word of God, something good is gonna happen. Now, now here's the big idea. Here's the big idea right here. And, and, and it's not based on those three principles. I'm just, just sharing you mine in how I believe that, that we have to decide what we're gonna live, live for. We gotta decide, make a commitment how we're gonna live, right? And that's gonna set you up either for success or defeat in your life. So here's the big idea today. Every disciple can be used mightily by God by following these three principles. Our greatest ability is our availability. That's the first principle. The second one is, is God blesses and multiplies what is given back to him and the third principle is we generously distribute what God has given to us. Now, this is the this is three principles. I want to unpack them for you in Mark chapter six, looking at Jesus feeding the five thousand. But before we do that, we have a memory verse for you today. And here's your memory verse for today. Y'all, can y'all read that? Y'all see that? Okay. Y'all read that. It's out of Ephesians three twenty. We're going to say it. We're going to say it out loud. Real loud, okay? Come on. You, if you want that sweetest fish, you're going to have to say it real loud. Come on. you gotta, You got to help me out here. Okay, y'all, y'all ready here? Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think Ephesians 3.20. How many of y'all think that's a good verse? Come on, I do, because I believe God wants to do infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. See, I don't know about you, but I can think up some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Come on. I can, I, mean, I, can't, I can think like God's going to do this, and I can think God's going to do that. But, but this verse, and I think what we see is, is God can, can, can do infinitely more than what we could ever ask or think. That's what kind of God we serve. He wants to do more. He wants to do more in your life. He wants he, he can do infinitely more than you could ever ask or think or ever imagine. Like I just made one simple request today for some Perrier with lime. And look, it appeared right where it should, right where I asked, right here. Come, is Isn't God a good God? Come on. And I know what you're thinking. You don't have Perrier water. And I'm going to say because you didn't ask or think. That's what I'm saying right now. Come on. See, come on, he can do more. So how can we as God's people live this infinitely more here? I believe every disciple, every disciple can do mighty things through God by living by these three principles. So let's dive into Mark chapter 6. Now, let's, start think, let's just talk about the Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, this is besides the resurrection of Jesus, which was... A big miracle. This is the only other miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. All four Gospels have this story. So what I think is that God really wants us to get it. Because if God wants to say it four different ways, I think we need to pay attention four different ways. Are you with me? I mean, it's like four different ways I want you to get this. Now, see, many people say this all the time. They say, Pastor, the Bible contradicts itself. There's stories here and it contradicts over here. But when you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, there're four story, there are four people writing an account of Jesus's life which, which emphasize different things about how they view it. Now let me give you this illustration. A couple years ago, I made a trip to Aruba, okay? In our first night in Aruba, we went and there was another couple with us. We went to we went to a buffet. They said a buffet and anytime time it says buffet, what do you say? Glory. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Right? Come on. Yeah. It's a glory. And so, so we went to the buffet. And then after we got there, um, we, we realized that it wasn't a typical buffet. It was, it was called a one-plate buffet. Yeah. And so you could put as much as you want on that one plate. I want to tell you, I was praying for the Holy Ghost. He gave me wisdom. Come on. I said, like, I'm going to win this one. You know, I can do this. And so, um, and so they were serving. Uh, they were serving on a patio, but our table was in the sand on the beach. So let me just give you an example. If I were to say to you, hey, I was in Aruba and I went to a buffet, and, 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 and somebody that was with us, another couple said, oh, yeah, but um, we just had one plate at the, at, when we went to the restaurant. Are both of us right or wrong? both are right. I went to a buffet. They, they said they had one plate, right? If I said, oh yeah, and when we were on the patio, because that's where we got our, our one plate, that would be right. But if, if, if my wife Natalie said, oh, but we were sitting in a sand, wouldn't that be right? See, both of those are right. They tell the different angle from the story. And so when we're reading the gospels and we're reading a, the, the stories in the Bible, we have to, we have to reconcile these differences here. And so in this story, I'm not going to read all four different accounts, but as you do this week, and as you study this, you're going to find little nuances about what were said. And they're not necessarily contradicting each other, they're, they're communicating a different way to look at it. Are you with me? Yeah. See, I think we have to look at the whole, and we have to, we have to look at this context here. So in context here, in, in Mark chapter 6, what just happened is John the Baptist was killed. He was killed for speaking out on two things, a corrupt government and sexual immorality. Interesting. That's why he was killed. He spoke out on those two things. Cost him his life, okay? So he was just killed. Jesus sent out his disciples to to minister. Jesus was doing all the ministry up to this point, and he's flipping the script. He's saying, hey, now you guys are gonna do it. And so they go out, and they come back. So these two things are lined up here, and so what we find in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all they had done and taught. And Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to, oh, they didn't even have time to eat. Because they were they, they was, they're like, they're ministering. They were doing something. And I know we live in a day and age where our calendars rule us. And, and like you can't get too serious with that God thing. And you can't get too serious with following Jesus. But every now and then when you're doing God's work, you're not going to have time to eat. You can write that one down. That was good. No, seriously, every now and then you're going you're to get to a place where like, there's so much going on. and, and like this. But what Jesus did, he said, pull them aside for rest, which literally means refreshment. That, that was intermission. Jesus pulled him aside for an intermission. That means we're going to rest, we're going to get refueled, and we're going to go back. We're going to go back at it. Yeah. That's really what it is. It, it, it's getting refreshed. It's a cease from toil. It, it, it's all these. Now, now listen, why am I telling you this? If We sang a lot about miracles this morning. Yeah. If we want to see God do miraculous things, it's rooted and grounded in rest and in prayer and in time with God. It's not about what I could do for God. It's about what God wants to do through us. Big difference, huh? And so we need rest. We need to pull away. We need need these things here. And so verse 34, Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Oh, This word, huge, it's multitudinous, it's plenteous. I sound so smart when I say that. I've been saying that word, those two words, all morning. It's multitudinous, it's plenteous, it's a whole bunch. So when Jesus looks out, he sees a whole bunch of people. Kind of, at Bridge City Church, what's our goal? To reach as many people as possible. possible. So there's a multitude of people God wants to reach, right? And so he's all these people, there's, there's all these people out there and he looks at them and it's like, oh, but the large amount of people doesn't dissuade Jesus, doesn't, doesn't like take him back. And he begins to teach them, which means, um, which literally doesn't mean he began to say, let me, let me teach you something. Really, if you look at this word teaching, he wants to impart a new way to think. He wants to impart to them a new way to act. He wants to impart to them truth that's going to set them free. See, it's not like I'm going to teach a lesson here. Let me teach you something. No, it's totally different. There's compassion and there's pity and there's, there's, there's all these things that did Jesus here. But what moved him was they were sheep without a shepherd. He didn't say they need another meeting to go to. What he said was the people have a need, so therefore let's have a meeting. We got to get that. We got to understand that. People have a need, so therefore... We're together. We came here today together because, because we, we have a need. We want to know what God's saying and doing. We want to know how we can behave and act in this crazy world that we live. Am I right? Yes. And so we're, 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 we're coming here today to say, say, I don't just want my perspective because I'm very familiar with my perspective. I need God's perspective. That's what I need. That's why we're here today. And we're here to say, okay, what does, the, what does God's word say here? That's what we're really, really looking for here. I'm not here today to make you smart. I'm here to speak to your heart the same way Jesus did, to move you in a direction that could change your life. That's why we're here, to move you to speak to your heart, to say that there's something deep down in every single person here that wants to know God and wants to know what he's doing and wants to know him intimately. He created us that way. That's the way he created us. And that's what I'm speaking to right now. That's what I want to speak to. So principle number one, our greatest ability is our availability. Here it is. Verse 35, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. Jesus said, you, you feed them. You you give them something to eat. With what, they ask, who would have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people? So first of all, if disciples. Let's just, just rekindle what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. It's a pupil. It's a student. And they walk in complete obedience. They follow the teacher and the teaching. And they don't just listen to a, to a podcast for somebody and say, I'm being a disciple. They're, they're following somebody. And they're becoming more like who they're following. So they're disciples. Do you know what I believe Jesus Jesus did with his disciples constantly? He constantly was bringing them to a place where they couldn't do it on their own. Now you got to catch this. Because if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we need to realize that we're going to constantly be led to a place of one level above what you can do on your own. Because that's Faith. That's where God wants us to live. That, that, that's where He wants us to live. That's where He wants us to be. And He He listen, believe it or not, I believe this. I believe God is not afraid to ask us to do things that are uncomfortable to us. No, I'm serious. God isn't, God isn't up in heaven, like, oh, I can't ask them this. No, I don't believe. I, He's asking us to live one level above what we can do on our own so we can experience faith, so we can experience Him, so we can experience what He can do through us, which requires faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. That's that's how you know you're a disciple, because you're always going somewhere and doing something that you can't do on your own. You're you're invited one level beyond. That's That's what the point is. So Jesus and his disciples looked at the same problem, but they came to two different, two different examples. The disciples were like, get rid of these people. That's how I read this. I just read it, it was like, they got a need. Get rid, the, get, get rid of the need. Get rid of these needy people, and we're good. Jesus is like, no, you feed them. It, like, do you see how there's two different viewpoints going on? Jesus looks through a whole different set of eyes than you and I look through. They looked at the need. Oh, man. Not enough time, not enough money, not enough this, not enough gifting, not enough food, not enough peanut butter and jelly to go around. Come on, are you with me? And so they they looked at it two different ways here. And and, and Jesus is like, what? See, you know what what we do all the time? I'm guilty of this myself. We... We tell Jesus what to do. As a matter of fact, I don't know about you, but I'm really good at telling Jesus what to do. Hey, Jesus, if you would only do this, this, this situation would go just fine. Hey, Jesus, if you would change this, everything would be fine. Hey, Jesus, if you would do this, hey, Jesus, come on, am I the only one here today that does that? Come on, am I the only one? Yeah, we all do it. We all start to dictate to Jesus what he should do. Jesus this, Jesus that. Rather than, they had Jesus. Why why didn't they ask him what they should do? I don't know what problem you're going through right now. I don't know what decision you have to make. But I guarantee if you will stop and inquire of Jesus, he will give you input. Maybe, maybe we got to stop telling him what to do and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? That one principle that I shared with you earlier about loving my wife no matter if she'll ever do anything, that was born out of just one of those moments. God, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And Jesus told me, what do you want me to do? Love her. Lay my life down for her. And stop looking for, for something in return. When I did that, something changed in my life. It was a principle that I inquired of him, rather than saying, and and I know I'm not the only spouse in the room that's been guilty of that. Jesus, if you would just change her, come on, if you would just do something with them, Mm -hmm. come on, We, we like that, that's the prayer we like, but that's not the right prayer. Jesus, what do you want to do inside of me? What do you want to do inside of me to change the situation? It'll change everything. It'll change your viewpoint. It'll change the way you think. It'll, change. It'll set you up for a victory. Because it set me up for a victory in our marriage. That was at one of the lowest times in our marriage that God spoke that to me. I've been living that now for 15 plus years. We've been married 30 plus. But I'm just going to say, things got better after I got that principle. Amen? Amen? I don't know who I was speaking to right there, but I think, that's, I think there's somebody that's, that, that, that's grabbing a hold of that right there. So there's no problem too big for Jesus. And, 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 and he still uses, let, let me just read to you just a, a whole bunch of list of adjectives of the people he uses and see if we can find you and me in here. And here it is, imperfect, impatient, impulsive. Temperamental, easily offended, (laughs) all the prejudices of their environment, slow to comprehend spiritual things, (laughs) right? Awkward, (laughs) limited abilities. Come on, are you relating to any of these yet? Okay? Unlearned and ignorant. <laughs> Come on. These are the kind of people Jesus uses. Right, see, you qualify. <laughs> Even if you didn't want to raise your hand, you still qualify. Come on. I can see the captions above your head. Come on. Am I right? See, it's not about being perfect. It's about being having a heart that's teachable. It's about a heart that's willing to be teachable. And and even though I don't get it at times, God, I want to inquire of you. I'm available. Put me in. Do you know the people that, there's a common denominator that the people Jesus uses, they're available. He can't use people that are unavailable. Because you know why? (laughs) They're unavailable. No, I'm serious. My greatest ability is my availability. And, and, and so they begin to respond. These disciples, and they're available, they're here. They're saying, We'd have to, we would have to buy so much food for these people. And the literal amount of food in today's that they were saying here was literally about twenty five dollars to $30,000 worth of food in today's currency. So they're looking at Jesus saying, twenty five dollars to $30,000. Send them home. Let them get their own food. If they want it bad enough, they'll come and get it. Am I right? Come on, Jesus, teach them a lesson. They should have brought a lunch. Come on. Don't raise your hand right now, but come on, yeah? Am I right? And I don't know if it was because of lack or extravagant. I don't, I, I don't know what their intentions were. All I know is, is they were having trouble with this. But you know what I know? I know some of us in this room have trouble. Sometimes we think, well, that's wasteful. Sometimes we think it's extravagant. In just a few minutes, and after I'm done here, um, we're going to go over this thing called, what we call a One Vision campaign. And this One Vision campaign, we're raising a lot of money so we can, so we can make room for more people. And some people think, well, that's just extravagant. And some people think it's a waste. But I don't know. Maybe we're just missing people. Sheep without a shepherd. Because it changes everything. Are you with me? Jesus was moved with compassion. That word "compassion" means something deep moves inside it. really that word "compassion," when, when typically when you see it, when it's associated with Jesus, it's, it's the liver, kidneys, stomach, like something moves. And oh, I was watching this documentary this week, and um, there was just some horrible stories in it. And I'm going to tell you, I was just moved. I got like, did you ever get like sick to your stomach over a story? Over, over people that were being taken advantage of and people that were, you know, pretty damaged the rest of their life over. So I'm telling you, like for the whole next day, I was just, something was churning in me. It bothered me. That's what kind of, that's what kind of compassion moves Jesus. And that's what I believe what kind of compassion he wants us to be moved by. Looking beyond the dollars and cents, looking beyond the need and look to Him. I want to inquire of Jesus. Jesus, just think of this. Every time we remove like that, we say, Jesus, what are you saying? Show me what you're feeling. Would that change us? Let me just say this emphasis added. I've been working this out all morning with God. <laughs> I want to help you when you stand before God. I'm being honest with you. I, I, when we stand before God, when you stand before him, I'm going to stand before God. I'm not going to give an account for my feelings or my thoughts. we're going to give an account for our obedience to what he's asked us to do. We're not going to give an account with our excuses because we can either make excuses or make progress, but we can't have both. And many of us are counting on Jesus grading on the curve and that we're going to be able to say, I felt this or I think this or I thought about this rather than, Jesus, this is what you asked me to do. I'm doing it. I want to inquire of him. I'm trying to help prepare you for that day. I'm trying to help. Because I, my fear is, as a church even, we've gotten really good at counting the cost, but not so good at paying the price. We've become like spiritual accountants for Jesus. The controller in the organization that says, this is what you can and can't do, rather than the one who just says, Jesus, I'm in, I'm available. I want to be used, here I am. I don't just want to count the cost, I want to pay the price. And the price is my availability. That's what it is, because every disciple, every disciple can be used mightily by God, by following these three principles. The number one was my greatest ability is my availability. Number two, God blesses and multiplies that which is given back to him. Verse 38, well, how much bread do you have? Jesus asked, and go and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread, two fish. And Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And, 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 and typically when we tell this story, there's a little boy in the story. Like in Mark, there's no little boy. But in John chapter 6, verse 9, there's a little boy. And he's the only one that seems to be smart enough to brought lunch. He's the only one that seems to be thinking about, like, I'm going to get hungry later. <laughs> and let me tell you, God is not ruled by age. God's not ruled by age. Here's a little boy just says, I, got, I, I, I have something. Now, now some people, I, I, like, they didn't bully this kid. Give me your lunch, kid. Jesus wants your lunch. I don't believe that. I just don't believe the disciples did that. Give me that. Jesus needs it. You know, it's like, you know. I believe he gave it. That's just my, I believe that. I Again, I don't have, verse here, I don't believe Jesus is going to steal some kid's lunch. Okay, that's just, I'm just telling you how I get to the conclusion. Are you okay with that? Okay. If you have a different thought, see me later. You're good, you know? But what do you have? Because Jesus is ruled by what we do have, not what we don't have. And so many of us, we're so ruled by what we don't have. We're ruled by, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, and the people are so great, and it's raining, Right? I mean, there's all these things we don't have, and all these things are going on. But Jesus wasn't ruled by that. He's like, what do you have? And that's what Jesus is saying. If you want to be used mightily by God, what's in your hand? What do you have? Let's start with that. Let's start with what you do have. Let's start with where you are. Let's watch what God does. Are you with me now? And then Jesus sits them down in groups. He gets. Jesus likes order. Glory. He likes organization. He sits them down in groups. Now it says here, 50 and 100. But Jesus loves groups. So if Jesus loves groups, we love groups. In September 11th, you get to sign up for a group. See, when you get into a group, you have a better chance of getting your needs met. Because as far as I can see, unless you're in a group, you didn't get any fish. I, I, I'm just telling you, when Jesus said get into a group, you probably had to get into a group, right? I'm just making a conclusion. So they have a better, better chance of getting their needs met and getting cared for and, be, and, 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 and being sheep that don't have a shepherd, they can have a shepherd, somebody care for them, and people love them. Are you with me? Yeah. Come on, how many of you can't wait for groups to start on September 11th? Come on, come on. And we're going to have a, we have 12 different groups you're going to be able to pick out here. That's what we're gonna do here. So this is it. Verse 41. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the who'd he give it to the so they could distribute it to the people. And he also divided the fish for everyone to share. Hey everybody, it's snack time. Come on, you've been waiting to come on, just go ahead. Get into that sweetest fish here. Come on. Oh, mm. I've been waiting for that moment. It's going to take me a long time to chew this. Mm. How many of y'all like sweetest fish? Come on. You're anointed. Come on, somebody. I bet you can't eat just one. If you think that fish is good, you should see the ones that Jesus made. Mm. I know I want to pick my teeth right now, but I can't. You can't. I'll watch you. Okay, I'm good. I probably got a big red thing right here. I do. No. How many of you want more fish? Nobody. If you pay attention, you might get some. So this is it. Jesus looks up to heaven, and he blesses his food. This is beautiful. This is a testimony, when you have things in your head, don't always do them. But Jesus looked up to heaven, and he blessed God. Let me just stop for a minute. We live in a culture right now that is so self-sufficient, so self, I provide, I do this, I do that, I'm noticing more and more people don't stop and thank God. Well, that's just a religious act. I don't know. See, every time I stop and I just thank, I bless God, it doesn't say bless your food. Oh, if you don't bless the food, you're going to choke. I've heard that when I was a kid. I was like, who said that? I'm like I'm going to bless God. I'm going to thank God. I'm going to thank him. And as I thank him, and I honor him, I believe that's where it it multiplies. Are you with me? Especially young people. Young people, listen to me, I'm, I'm watching. Young people have lost just stopping to thank God. Why do you have to do it? You don't have to do it for religious. You know what it does for me? It recalibrates my life that God provides. I didn't do this. God did it. And I believe if we'll give back to God and watch him multiply, he'll give back more than we could ever imagine. You know why some of our marriages aren't as blessed as they should be? We haven't given them over to God. What's my car? No, give it over to God. My house? No, I'm going to honor God with my house. My job? No, I'm going to honor God with my job. Turn it over to God and watch what he does with it. He will multiply it and give it back to you. That's the key. That is the key in our lives. He will. I watch him do it all the time. But when it's my fish and my loaves and it's my thing, God can't bless it. I don't bless it. I bless God. God, thank you. Thank God for this life I get to live. Thank God for you. And I thank God for this church. I thank, I honor him. And then when I say, give those things, then he gives it back. But God can't bless things that aren't in his hands. There's relationships, there's jobs, there's money, there's cars, there's kids, there's parents, all this stuff right now we're holding on to. And I'm asking this morning, turn it over to him, give it in his hands, and I'm telling you, he'll give it back to you in a whole different way. Jesus, I want to give you this, because he blesses and multiplies that which we give to him. Because every disciple can be used mightily by God by following these three principles, availability is our greatest ability. Jesus multiplies and blesses what we give him and then generously distribute what God gives back to you. Verse 42. They all ate as much as they wanted. <laughs> and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5000 men and their families were fed. There really wasn't 5,000. There was probably closer to fifteen to 20,000 because it was just the men that they counted here. Don't get upset with me. Take it up with Mark when you get to heaven. No, that's how they counted at that point in time. And so there's probably fifteen to 20,000 people ate all this bread, and Jesus didn't just give them what they needed. He gave them a whole bunch more. He multiplied it because it was in his hands and then he gave it back to them and says, you distribute this. And so what he did with these fish... (laughs) I told you to take notes. Come on. He takes all these 12 baskets... And he begins doing something really cool with them, okay? He begins to pass them out. You better share with those people around you. (laughs) They're not going to multiply unless you give them back. Come on, come on. Who else wants one? Come on. There's fish for everybody. I got two more. I got two more. I got two more. There you go. Bam. Come on. There's fish for everybody. Come on. You know, back in the day, you could just open those up and throw out handfuls. You can't do that anymore. Come on. See, this is the deal. Jesus multiplies and he gives so much more than you could ever imagine or think. Because I want to be used mightily by God, so I got to be available, and then I got to be willing to to hand it to Jesus and let Him do something with it, and then I got to be willing to distribute what He gives me back. So this is this is this is a thought process. What Jesus does with His followers is He takes us from being consumers of the fish to contributors back to God to distributors to others. Unfortunately, most people in their Christian walk stay in the consumer part. And Jesus wants so much more than just for you to consume it. He wants you to be a contributor and then he wants you to be a distributor of those fish to other people. Come on. That's That's really so if we want to see God do something miraculous, it's not just waiting for Jesus to do something. It's saying, Jesus, here am I right? It's Jesus. Here am I. I'm available. Why not me? I meet all those things that Pastor Rick read earlier. Imperfect and impatient, temperamental. Come on. I'll read them again if you need them. Come on, but those are the kind of people that he wants to use and do miraculous things with. I want to be a distributor because I believe that's a principle that God blesses. Ephesians 3 verse 20, 3, Ephesians 3 verse 20, that memory verse. Here we go, We're, uh, yeah, there we go, it's just written a different way, it threw me, scared me. Okay, here we go, here we go, y'all ready to read it out loud again? Yes. Here we go, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Bam. Come on. Okay, here's the rest of the story. The rest of the story. Here it is. Here's the rest of the story. How many of y'all want the rest of the story? Come on. The rest of the story. Here it is. Um, Right after this, do you know what Jesus does? He sends them away. He says, you guys get in a boat. You know, it's funny. It's like almost every time Jesus gets a big crowd, he wants away from them. That's what's for all those introverts out there. And uh, he, he says, hey, I'm a, you guys go in the boat, you go across, I'm going to go pray. Remember what I said about miracles being rooted and grounded in rest and prayer? Before and after. So the disciples get in a boat, and they're going across a lake, and a big storm kicks up, and they're still in fear. A big storm kicks up, they're in fear, they're like, oh, freaking out, you know. And it's 3 a.m., Have you ever noticed how everything at nighttime's worse? It's like 3 a.m. Everything at nighttime's worse. So it's 3 a.m. And here comes Jesus walking walking on the water. He jumps in. It's like, oh, my goodness. You know, come on, guys. Chill, peace, be still, all that stuff. You know it's interesting? In verse 52, there's an interesting verse. I love this verse. Check this out. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. I mean, they just witnessed a pretty significant miracle. Are you with me? They watched it happen. They watched two loaves, five fish, just be blown. Are you with me? But they totally got. They were petrified. They were calloused. They were hard-headed. They were deaf, and they were blind. They couldn't see it. And when I read this, I thought, how could they miss it? And It was like God said, you miss it all the time. I went, no, I don't miss it. And God says, yeah, you do. We miss it because we see it, But it's so much beyond what we could ask or think. And he wants to do so much more than we could ever do on our own that we totally miss what he wants to do. I don't want to be a part of a church that misses it. Are you with me? I don't want to become so hard-headed in a petrified heart that I miss what Jesus is doing. Stand to your feet with me right now. Come on, see, like I just want us to grab a hold of this right now. How are we going to reach the multitudes and, and, and how can we reach the 50 plus thousand people in, that, that are in, a, in a five, about a five to seven mile radius from here, right about there, that aren't in church? How are we going to do it? Look around the room and you will see. Look around the room. Just look around the room. Look at all the people he wants to do you got to look at them. Now you see what I see every week. Great, awesome, over-the-top people full of faith, following, people who are willing to be challenged and changed, all for the glory and honor of God. Are you with me? How many of you are feeling challenged in your heart today? Come on, how many of you are just feeling that little bit of challenge? We're going to sing a song. We sang it earlier. Lord, send revival. And I know some of us are like, I don't even know what that means, but what it literally means is that God is so evident and so prevalent in, an, in a geographical area that everybody almost like can't help but experience the goodness of God. That's the simplest I can, I can explain it. I know there are fancier definitions. I don't have one for you. I just know this. I believe God wants to use people like you, me, to accomplish infinitely above anything we could ever ask or think. I believe that, and I believe in you, and I believe that he's not ruled by your past near as much as you are. So we're going to sing a prayer together, and we're going to sing it loud. No, we're going to sing it loud. Lord, send revival. And what we're literally saying is, God, could you touch people that are far from God and people who are on their way to hell? Would you touch them, Lord God? And, and, and so they don't have to spend eternity in hell. They can go to heaven. Don't you think that's a good prayer? Yeah. Don't you think that's a good prayer? Yeah. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna sing it and we're gonna honor God together. And we're just gonna make this our prayer today of God, send revival. Send it now, Lord God. Do something in our hearts right now. Come on, let's just stretch our hands to heaven.